0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs, episode 23. Today's episode, we've got Robert Skinner with Skinner Classics on the podcast. Uh, Robert's been doing big things with VW buses. Robert's been all over Instagram. He's got 100,000 followers or so and doing lots of big stuff in the bus scene. So he's restoring quite a few significant buses. One of the buses that we're going to be talking about today is going to be the light bus. There's currently a documentary being made on it, and you'll hear about that during the podcast. So it's a good listen. If you want to see that bus in person, come on down. He'll be debuting it at the DKP meet down on the 31st in Old Town Garden. Grove. So come check it out. Uh, say hi to Robert. Come down and see us Let's Talk Dubs booth that we'll have down there set up at the uh, DKP meet. And don't forget to write, uh, review, and give us some feedback on our podcast. So sit back, take a listen to Robert Skinner with Skinner Classics. A Volkswagen a nice
1: station wagon to have a
0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. On today's podcast, we've got Mr. Bus Hunter himself, Robert Skinner, with Skinner Classic VW Restoration. Um, Robert's been in the scene for quite a while, and we're going to get into the guts of all that. And so I'm sure you guys have seen him on Instagram and on Facebook, and a lot of the cars that he's done and built have been in the magazines. So I'd like to welcome uh, Robert to the podcast. Robert, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thank you, Bill. Good morning, everybody.
0: Yeah, hey, so... um, you know, you and I have kind of chatted quite a bit at a few different shows here and there. You know, it's always kind of crazy when we get the shows, and it's good that I've got you here where we can just have some quiet time, just chat back and forth, me and you, and everybody kind of get to know, you know, Robert Skinner's story and kind of how he got into the VW scene. And, and the way we kind of start the podcast all the time is we start specifically about your story, like how did you get into Volkswagens and what's your VW story?
1: Well, my VW story starts way back in Fremont at Baylands Raceway when I saw a VW bug kicking ass on a bunch of the muscle cars. And I just was blown away. And I was like, how is this Beetle beating all these muscle cars? So, of course, I had to go down to the pits and talk to the guy and say, man, you got like a V8 engine in this thing? What's going on? I was young. I was like 15. And uh, he said, no, I got a." I got a Volkswagen engine here. It's a two liter motor. He goes, but I've taken everything out of it. I've got all the glass out of it. I've cut everything out of it. I can I've made it as light as possible. And let me tell you my secret. It's uh horsepower to weight ratio, which at that time, you know, wasn't clicking in my brain, but I was, it always stuck with me like horsepower to weight ratio. You know, that was a big thing for me. And I was thinking, man, I want to go back to Alameda and I want to whoop some ass on these muscle cars in town. You know, we always drag race out by the Oakland Airport on Saturday night, 12 p.m., and uh, all the hot rods would show up out there and have a time of it. It was amazing. Good times for sure. I always thought, man, I want a bug. I want to go out there with a bug and just beat these big, badass muscle cars. It was kind of a dream of mine, you know?
0: So what was your first bug?
1: Uh, My first Volkswagen. Well, kind of an ironic story, but my first Volkswagen is a 60 animal bus that I bought in Alameda. Eight hundred bucks, turnkey driver, and uh, that was in 1983, and I still have that bus today. My number one bus. Really, never got rid of it. I've got it, still got it.
0: Wow, oh, that's cool, man. That's I mean, that's that's that that's a tough thing to do. You know, a lot of people are A lot of people don't hold on to their first car just because you know opportunities they get to, uh, you know, turn it around and sell it, or you know, sure. just move on to something else, or it becomes you know, blase after they've gotten kind of old and over it. So you still have your first VW, huh?
1: I do, man. It's amazing. I still can't believe I still got it. I mean, who doesn't upgrade to the next level, you know? But Right, right. It, that's it just, awesome. It just worked out for me where I was able to keep my original bus. Right. Like, And today, I mean, that's a priceless bus to me. If I had to sell every Volkswagen I owned, I would sell them all but that bus. Yeah. Cause that bus means a lot to me. I mean, it's, I want my son to have it one day and maybe his son will have it one day. You never know.
0: No, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you, you got into it cause you saw a fast bug. You end up with your first Volkswagen, which is a bus. And now, and you're saying this is 1983.
1: Yeah. So 83. So, uh, just to keep it real with you in 82, you know, we saw the movie fast times at Ridgemont high. Right. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, I was 16 years old at the time, and uh, I was just turning 17 at the time when I picked up my bus. But at 16, I was like, man, I I want a bus. I want to go to high school and and smoke some weed in the back of a bus. Like, that's cool. (laughs) You know, 16 is very influential. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe a few months later or so, I was like, I bought my first bus. Nice.
0: uh, Yeah,
1: since 83, and I've, I've had that baby ever since.
0: Nice. And then did you ever finally get a drag bug, like a quick little street bug or what?
1: It never happened, man. It was always a dream. You yeah, know? I just never had any money. I was broke back then.
0: And then, so going from you know buying your first bus, now how do you get? Now we know today you're in the auto, you're in the auto body business and, and restoration business. How do you eventually go down that path?
1: Well, that's a long path. I mean, fortunately for us, Alameda High School had a mechanical shop. So, which is pr- pretty much non-existent anymore. Yeah. So we were able to go in there and do and fix our cars. And so uh, I'd take my bus in there and we would work on it and wrench on it and do whatever we can to just keep it alive, keep it on the road. We'd learn from a, a great mechanic was our teacher. I mean, he was awesome. And, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity to be able to just get our hands dirty at school. I mean, we're there to learn, but we were there learning automotive, too, at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I moved on to a little more heavier mechanical aspect at Alameda College, and uh, but only stayed there for about a year and moved on from there. But, you know, our, our business has evolved, you know, from this point of starting very young, just being very mechanical and, uh, you know, just kind of keeping VWs alive. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, owning a Volkswagen requires you to get your hands dirty, and you know? and it's funny because you, when you see people, I know somebody already gave me a hard time saying it, that I say it's funny a lot during the podcast, but it's just maybe the way I speak. But it, what is, uh what's kind of the, the the deal that separates the VW enthusiasts from the other people is like, you got to get your hands dirty. As a VW owner operator, you're going to have to learn to be resourceful when a clutch cable breaks, or, you know, you've got uh, something wrong with your carburetor, whatever the case is. And so it's it's, it's really what weeds out those people that can and can't be VW people, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. The Volkswagen's been turning people into mechanics for the last 60 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what. that's where I, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I got, is, you know, I grew up, you know, my, my family grew up, we didn't have a bunch of money, and my dad, it's like, we needed parts for the car. We went to the wrecking yard and got parts, and, you know, we'd go in the parking lot of the apartment complex we lived in, we'd change those parts or do whatever. And then, as I became you know, to where I had to get myself a car to drive, I wanted to get something that I could work on and that I could customize myself. And that's why I ended up with the Volkswagen. They were cheap and I could fix it, you know? So.
1: Oh, I'm on your same path for sure, Bill. Yeah. It was cheap. It was economical. It wasn't too ridiculous. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of money as kids, you know, and, you know, being, trying to be resourceful enough for ourselves and, well, yeah, and make it to A and B and back, you know. Well, yeah,
0: it was funny cuz it was it's inter- it, what's interesting to me it's I've, I've always seen kind of a difference between like the mini truckers of that day and then the VW guys because it seemed like the mini truckers kind of came from families that had a few bucks and then they went and bought they went to the the Nissan dealership bought and bought Johnny a brand new Nissan and then he took it home and lowered it and did whatever he did but it seemed like there was a different uh affluence to like the mini truckers and the VW people because the VW people were a little more like didn't have the, didn't have the financial resources, but had the skill set to do what they needed to do and the mechanical ability to keep their cars going, you know?
1: Yes, definitely. I was in that same category, man. I was just broke and Volkswagens was the way to go for me. That was for sure.
0: Yeah. And so, and then how do you make the transition in? So, so how do you end up going into automotive as far as a career path?
1: Well, you know, I got my first job at Reeve in Berkeley, and that's the company that invented the external oil cooler. Really? And uh, yeah, and so Reeve uh, was had been in business a long time, so I got my first job there at 17 years old, you know, late 17, almost 18 years old, and that was my first Volkswagen job. I really didn't know much. I was learning a lot there. You know, I initially started there sweeping the floors and just doing whatever they wanted me to do, hold this, help with this. You know, yeah. whatever it had to be done. But I was learning quick, man. I was soaking it up real quick. And uh, then I had the opportunity to move over to Timco, which is a few blocks away, with the Cusack family. Yeah. And uh, I was pulling transmissions out of vehicles. And so uh, it was a Porsche Volkswagen transmission rebuilders. Oh, and right. uh, I started in the back doing teardown, doing the nastiest job there possible. But the enjoyment of it all was after the fact with John um we had the full shop to our accessibility like the whole soon as it closed down at five it turned into volkswagen land at night oh really and so uh yeah we were just in there wrenching on our cars doing whatever we needed we had car lifts we had every tool you could imagine i mean it was it was a great job it was a great experience he also helped with our you know our car club back in the day CalMotion motion v-dub so yeah and financially we never uh you know i never had the dough to like put out a bunch of you know frivolous cash out to for flyers and just you know printing and just everything so you know it was the evolution of our club helped grow it there and timco definitely helped us big time with uh you know a lot of gatherings there and bringing people and helping calmotion grow basically and so, it Tim, was good times,
0: and so timco was a good time and so timco was a was a transmission rebuilding shop
1: correct yeah, it was uh, Volkswagen and Porsche.
0: Oh really? So they did mostly manual gearboxes is what they rebuilt.
1: Basically that's it. And so I was the teardown kid in the back. I was taking them apart, splitting all the gears, pressing everything off, and just putting them in bins, and they would go to the technicians for inspection. They would either throw stuff in the garbage or it's good rebuild.
0: Yeah, and so the smell of uh, the smell of ninety weight oh, gear oil God. was
1: uh The worst it the d- worst d- smell ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh dude, you open up that door, man, to the the hot tank. Oh my lord, that has got to be the worst smell on the planet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Listen, it takes it takes
0: a certain kind of person to be able to take that every day. So Oh
1: my god, it was bad. So you're
0: over bad. you're at Timco for a while and then you go from Timco where do you go after that?
1: Oh, after that I got it has stolen around pretty much. I mean, of course, people might be W's alive, but I just moved on to like other things. I worked at Joe's Grill in Alameda, just kind of kept things simple. I was always an entrepreneur, man, from early ages. I never really wanted to work for anybody. I always just had to strive and to just do my own thing. And, you know, once I learned Volkswagen's good enough and keep them alive, I started doing a a mobile mechanic service. Yeah. And uh, that worked out great. And, you know, I was just surviving, basically.
0: Sure. How do you evolve into uh, Skinner's Classics and getting into the body shop business? How, how does that work out?
1: Well, you know, later in my life there, I started doing just restorations, period, on anything. It didn't matter. It was mainly muscle cars because we had a lot of people, you know, wanted the cars restored. And, sure. Um, I was doing mainly kind of moving more into the body and paint, more than mechanicals on those, uh-huh. letting the, uh, the bigger machine shops and stuff take care of the mechanical stuff. And some buddies that were heavy into mechanical you know i wasn't really you know all 100 percent into that but the body and paint it didn't matter to me i'd work i'd fix anything anybody's car It didn't matter what it was sure you know, I, I was into that so it, it kind of grew to that point you know when i was 25 i had my son dylan and uh 27 my daughter and uh you know after that you just got your you know, you're motivated, then you got children, you got responsibilities, you know, you got to get serious, it gets serious. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, I had an opportunity. Part of my restoration business was I always really, really enjoyed media blasting. I know that might sound crazy, but I always loved taking something that seemed like it was a piece of crap and making it look beautiful again. Do that. Right. Like, turn me on big time. Like, I don't care what it was. Didn't matter if I took something in my hand and it just looked like crap, and I could turn it into something beautiful. Man, I got so much pleasure out of that. Yeah. So part of my business back then, you know, of course, I started buying bead blast cabinets and different media stripping components, and uh, and I ended up, you know, when I moved out of Alameda, we moved up. We had an opportunity up in Clear Lake. Not that I really wanted to live in Clear Lake, but you know, it is a beautiful place to live. We only lasted there thirteen months, a little over a year. So, yeah. But I opened a media, a mobile sandblasting company. So I got away from restoration because the money wasn't up there for that. Nobody really had any dough to fix their cars. Yeah. And uh, and it was all garage stuff. I had no business license or anything. Sure. So I ended up opening a sandblasting company and it grew dramatically i was mobile i had a flatbed truck and i would drive around and i would get all suited up and i would blast anything anybody wanted if i could blast it it was getting blasted so uh i did that for a while and then actually me and my wife were like clearly let's get the hell out of here what are we doing here yeah let's go to vacaville we got a lot of family my dad's side of the family lives in vacaville my mom's side of the family lives in vacaville My mom and dad both graduated from Vacaville High School. So we just ended up saying, yeah, let's get out of Clear Lake. Let's move. And I sold my sandblasting company. So uh, I took a big chunk of that money. And uh, when I came to Vacaville, I was in my 67 Chevelle convertible driving down the street. And here comes the opposite direction, another 67 Chevelle convertible. We both looked at each other and we both made u-turns at the same time to catch each other and then we passed each other again right. <laughs> and so and we just said hey pull over and so we ended up talking and he said he owned this body shop and i was like man i'm trying to open a body shop i want that's what i want to do here in vacaville yeah and he said you know i'm getting really old man i would probably be willing to sell my company if you'd be interested and then it took off from there bill so that's
0: crazy that's we, amazing. what are the we odds?
1: Were, It was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, we met because we both had the same exact cars and uh, we just kind of clicked and things just, it was crazy. The first time I came to the shop and looked inside the paint door, the guy was in there spraying. He had his nostrils packed with Vaseline. He had a cigarette in his mouth with an ash like two inches long hanging off of it while he was reaching over a hood painting it. I'm like, this guy is crazy. What is going on here? He came out the booth and just shot this Vaseline out of his nostrils and I was like, oh my god, this guy is something else. Right,
0: right, old school, Um, for real.
1: Anyways, we ended up, uh, I always remember that. I know it's weird, but it sounds crazy. We uh, made a deal and I bought him out of his body shop, turnkey, he literally walked out and I came in the very next day and ready to rock turn the lights on put the compressor on i own a body shop like this is crazy and that was 25 years ago this past february
0: so 25 years ago you walk in start the body shop now with mine with like a little bit of body experience and stuff like that but it's a fully operating has employees all that stuff already and are they doing collision work are they just doing restorations
1: so we evolved our business into strictly insurance work initially. Um, of course, there was restorations to fill in the gaps of time. Sure. Because so, collisions come and go. Right. And it's all about cycle time. And they got to come in. They got to get fixed. They got to go out. People are in rental cars. Things got to be divided quickly. So, you know, in reference to that, we have just started building ourselves up to be an insurance shop. So obviously, because that's where the money's at. Well, that's yeah,
0: you get go. I mean, a, a, a lot of people, I think some of the mistake people make is they get in it. They're like, I'm going to start restoring Volkswagens because I got two guys that want to build me Volkswagens. But well, they finish those two cars. They got nothing to do. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and sometimes people don't see what it takes to do the restoration. And sometimes customers, you know, they think, oh, yeah, I'll restore it. It's going to cost me 10 grand. Like, no, it's going to be way over 10 grand because it's time and material also part of a lost art that not a lot of people are able to do today and do it properly i mean anybody can take something to a body shop and have like you know some guy at a body shop quote unquote restore their bus but you know like he ran out of bolts and so he just grabbed some new bolts off the rack and just shot them in and they're not the right thread they're not the right they're not metric they're not you know what i mean like i've seen tons of that and it really takes you know to kind of get to where you want to rest it's a big difference between a collision shop and a restoration shop, night and day.
1: Yeah, there is, man. I, I couldn't do what I do today on these buses without the support of our collision shop. I mean, that's that's basically where the money comes
0: from. Well, you know, Ring Brothers, yes. huge Ring Brothers, they build these super nice custom pro touring cars that are I mean, they build, you know, three to three hundred to half million dollar builds, Chevelles, Malibus, all that stuff. Well, they pay for it because they have a collision shop. You know what I mean? Like you need something to pay the bills in order to be able to pursue the passion and do the work because at the end of the day on the restoration stuff, if that's all your business, um, you're having a tough time making the bills and, and eating and doing that kind of stuff. So you need, you, you gotta have in business, people only see the, gl- the, the glorious side of doing the restorations, but you need a bread and butter side that keeps the bills paid and keeps everything moving. And sometimes people don't get that, you know?
1: You're 100%, man, for real. I mean, that's the only way this could have evolved to what it is today here at Skinner Classics and Vacaville Auto Body. I mean, Skinner Classics wouldn't even be without Vacaville Auto Body.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, that's where everything, we have the tooling, we have everything here to be able to restore these buses today uh, based on our collision shop. So we're very fortunate in that way. There's no way that I could just run bus business no it's impossible and i know a lot of people see this on online they they see our shop they see pictures but you know if there's a a new car next to a bus i really just kind of fade that new car out right picture and get a picture of the bus so a lot of people think that this is a shop full of buses it is but we are a collision repair shop and without that skinner classics wouldn't even
0: be today well you know because the funny part is if you're going to buy a 50 sixty thousand frame straightening machine or hundred thousand dollar straight frame straightening machine you're not buying it restoring buses you know what no, i mean no, but if you have no. the volume of doing collision work and you can afford a frame straightener and you can act, like i don't even know how many people have ever put a bus on a frame straightener
1: well we do it all the time but you we know what i'm saying like specs and everything here
0: but you know what i mean like most body shops would be like well, what are we going to straighten the frame on that thing for? It's junk. It's just a bus, just junk. It. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's the, right? the attitude of a body <laughs> shop. But the reality of having the the ability to access the technology of a collision shop with people that have the, the care and understanding of the restoration shop, that's a big swing. I mean, to be able to to understand how to how to get things done to have the proper tooling, because most restoration shops, I would say 95% of the restoration shops, unless they've been in business for 50 years do not have a lot of frame straightening equipment and a lot of the technical aspect they're more hammer and dolly guys and cut and weld guys versus having technological equipment that can really help them get things within a, a measured metered spec you know what i mean
1: oh 100 man i get it we get lessons in here from multiple shops because we have the technology here we straighten the. We have all the datum and all the measurement reports. Everything a bus is supposed to be factory. We have it here. We straighten these buses with laser beams. I mean, the technology is amazing. Well, we could that? straighten a frame rail within one millimeter. that has been in a collision. So and or we sometimes it's just stress poles alone. These are unibody vehicles. Right. So when a unibody gets hit, it affects more components than you can even imagine. So uh, you know when a hit happens, everything's attached. So when one thing moves, ten things move. Well, yeah. If you, so that's if, why it's,
0: if you're looking at like a driver, like like a driver's side front head-on collision, and it pushes the driver's side in, you don't realize that it just opened up the passenger door gap up an eighth of an inch. You know because it kind of it kind of twists the whole deal. And so I think and and, and really. I think, you know, and this is me maybe looking at it a little too deeply, but I think I'm accurate on this. But then again, that's my podcast, and I always think that I'm right. But I'm thinking if, if, here's how I see it, okay? I see that if you've got a collision shop, you understand several things. You understand, A, how to get a project completed within a certain amount of time, B, People don't understand the stringent requirements that are that are required of a certified auto repair shop that works for insurance companies because they'll have people come in and spot check your work to make sure you're using the proper bolts, you've changed what you said you're going to change, you've gone through the process you said you're going you're to process because of the requirements with the insurance industries. And so you have to be able to juggle the quality and the timeline on that, which I think would benefit you on the restoration side because you're a guy that can take a restoration project and I would assume, I don't know what your timelines are, but I would assume you could probably turn them around pretty quick because you have the stringent requirements required by the DMV and the, and, and the local laws and whatnot that govern insurance collision work to make sure everything's on the up and up. But you have the mentality of, like, okay, this is, we need to move through these jobs in an effective manner at a good pace, making progress every day, which sometimes at a collision shop or at a restoration shop, it doesn't happen. You know, cars sit there for five and six years, you know? True. And I, very
1: true. And, yeah. And, and,
0: and with that blend of both, like in other words, you having the passion of, of Volkswagens and wanting them to be correct and wanting them to be right, but having the resources of the manpower, the ability, the technology, the equipment to be able to put it through. And I don't want to say, I don't want to say production, but put it through a scheduled restoration where time is not wasted or lost. And maybe some people don't realize that a lot of times they'll drop off a, a, you know, they might drop off their bus at one place and someone drops their bus off at your place and both buses end up costing $75,000 to restore. Both of them. One gets done in eight months and one gets done in four years. You know what true. I mean? And, and I think that I do. You know, I think, and I think that may be some of the difference because if you're just doing, if you just have a restoration shop, you're just doing restorations, it's hard to, a, if you've got four customers you're working with, it's tough to keep the jobs moving, pay your employees, keep, keep the bills paid, and keep things moving forward. Because the business owner developer, your job is to go out and cultivate more work, bring more work in so the shop can do what the shop does.
1: You know, That's true. I feel for restoration shops. I really do. I don't know how they do it. It's
0: it's a struggle.
1: I couldn't do it, man. There's just no way. There's just not enough. It's there's it's not like it used to be. You no. know, things are a little tougher now. Things get very expensive, man. It's overhead is insane. Well, so,
0: and, you and know, what, we,
1: we've what, got eleven employees here with full medical benefits and the whole they get it all, man. They get competition stiff.
0: Yeah, and what so got to
1: well, keep these guys happy.
0: And what people don't understand is, it's it's a dying trade. You know it's just like
1: it is. Oh my god. More uh, than you know, man. Yeah. Trying to find good technicians today is almost impossible. This new generation just doesn't want to work. I'm telling you, it's just it's a sad sight. I ne- we need people, mechanical people with hands that just want to be motivated workers. They are hard to come by today. They really are. We pulled people from other body shops from different counties. We've made them relocate, move Paid. I mean, it's been crazy just to get killer, great, certified technicians that want to hang around and be here and enjoy what we do.
0: Yeah, the people people don't understand. You know, in my line of work, my, my business in construction, it's the same thing. I try. I have a buddy mine's got a, a, a VW shop, and I said your business and my business are the same. They both need skilled technicians. We both do something specific to a trade, and we have a customer that has expectations and we're trying to meet those expectations while running and managing our business. And I said, it's going to get, he's, he was telling me that like our businesses are not the same. And I said, our business is the same. We both provide a service. And, we, ha- and we can't do it ourselves because we have too much too much volume to, do, to physically do it ourselves. But we're kind of the mouthpiece of the business and we need skilled guys that can work for us, that can deliver what our expectation is that we've conveyed to the customer that they should expect. And it's tough, and sometimes, uh, you know, the 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 challenge that I have in my industry just hiring people. I mean, the average age of my worker, and I've been in the tile business. I am a tile and granite contractor. That's how that's how I feed my family, right? And my passion is Volkswagen. But in my industry, you know, the average age of a guy twenty years ago was probably twenty five years old in the industry, like because I had a lot of eighteen year olds and a lot of thirty year olds. But the average age is twenty five. Now, the average age of worker for me is forty. Because the, the young guys are not getting in the trades. The, That's right. The, these, That's true. These young, I mean, I'm getting, I, I, I hired a kid from Africa. Kid straight up, he like, oh, I used to make mosaics in a factory in Africa, in Kenya. I'm like, oh, cool, man. Within four months, he's completely Americanized. You know, he's wearing some funky stonewashed jeans. This kid reeks of weed. He's on his phone every five <laughs> minutes. And I'm just thinking to myself like, Man, how quickly they just get roped into these things that trap them, like being disconnected with getting things done. I mean, back, back in the day, I was sitting in a restaurant yesterday with my wife and I were talking for breakfast, and there's a, uh, a post on the wall that says, No, we don't have Wi Fi. Act like it's 1995 <laughs> and talk to each other. But it's like, you know, this new age of ease of accessibility and everything's overnight and instant and all that kind of stuff has really changed the dynamics of the youth and the youth like coming out of school getting a job and 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 learning a trade and and feeling a sense of accomplishment and things like that i think now now the youth today have like this this idea that they're just going to be kim kardashian and someone's going to pay them 10 million bucks for being them
1: Dude, you're not kidding man yeah you know that's that's the world today it and, really is and really the it's biggest
0: sad. the biggest disservice is there's a lot of young kids out there that have skill that have talent that will never be able to realize it because they just get caught up in this nonsense. So, you know, listen, it's, it's, the, it's a real struggle of trying to find every, and I've, and I've talked to a lot of people that do, you know, I talked to Buddy Hale, I talked to Bob Cooker, I talked to a lot of these guys that do restorations and they're small restoration shops and they do, you know, they, they do full restorations, full builds, all stuff and their biggest challenge, finding people, finding good people. He's like, once you get somebody good enough, they disappear and start their own. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just the common struggle. So the good thing is in your shop, you'll maintain that consistency. I would believe because of the volume of business that you do, it's not just because some of these restoration shops, you'll get guys that like they're working there because it's cool at the time. And then, you know, when it slows down, the money's gone and, and, and they're off doing something else. And next thing you know, they're out of the restoration business, but in your business, because of the collision side, you're able to keep guys. I mean, the like guys are showing up there for a daily a daily job and, and they're working every day and every week consistently. So it would be good with, I, I would think on your end, it'd be good with keeping to some level, consistent level of employees, as consistent as you can keep it in that industry, which is kind of, you know, starts off tough to begin with. But uh, yeah, it's work, man. And people don't realize what it takes to keep that kind it's, of stuff going. Really,
1: it is hard. I feel for them restoration shops again, man. I mean, it's it's a struggle yeah but yeah I mean we've had we've got some great employees here I've had employees my longest-term employees been with us 18 years Wow yeah and some of our other guys uh, well over 10 years and we got 11 employees here yeah so um, and half of the staff here at least half of them have been with us over 10 years
0: that's awesome that's awesome. it
1: is so it uh, we just got to keep everybody happy you know that's how it goes yeah you're doing or the so, next doing run to the right? next shop <laughs> that's it. <Yeah.
0: laughs> you're doing something right. And they just go like, man, we got this boss. It's just a nut. He's buying these dumb VW buses. We don't know what his problem is.
1: (laughs) So yeah, I see my guys slap their head every time I roll in with another one. They're like, Oh God, here we go.
0: Okay. So now, (laughs) so now let's, let's talk about some questions that everybody wants to know. So, so now on Instagram, you got over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. You're, you got the social media thing clearly licked. You got about 30,000 posts on there and, uh, you do a lot of bus hunting. I see you all the time. Like, got the trailer, you're hooked up, and you're on the road. Matter of fact, you've dipped into my backyard a few times. I think you got the you got uh-huh. the the bullet bus out of the ditch over there. You guys drug that out for somebody. Um, because of social media, do you get a lot of people contacting you? Like, hey, I got a bus over here. I mean, what's your trick to finding these buses? I mean, are you just constantly on the lookout? You got, I mean, give us a tip. Well, or two. you.
1: Let's start from the beginning. This goes back a long ways, everybody, a long time. I've been doing this since the early 80s. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends, a lot of people. They all know I'm looking for split buses. Right. So with that being said, I get tons of leads. And take this into consideration, we are in the bus business. Right. People call here. They do searches on the internet. They call my shop. They say, got a bus sitting here. You interested? It could be from free to Barrett Jackson prices. We don't know what's going to happen over that phone call. Right. So in today's world. So with that being said, we get a ton of leads. It. I'm not kidding. It happens constantly, and uh, I'm not going to say it's daily, but we get a lot of phone calls for a lot of bus stuff. And wow. so, uh, and of course, I've got a lot of friends. Right. Been doing yeah, this absolutely. a long time, and I've got friends who said, "I'm restoring my bus 25 years ago, and it's still sitting in the same spot." yeah so you know this is the buses i go after and uh, hey man you're not restoring this bus let's get let's save this bus and so uh you know that's our that's our goals i really enjoy recovery i am not a bus flipper right i do not go out and buy well, shiny buses and turn them around and flip them yeah well i can tell by, I do.
0: by your shop you're a bit of a hoarder you're a bus hoarder
1: <laughs> i'm a bus savior
0: yeah no no i am
1: after saving these buses it Gives me so much pleasure, you have no idea. No. So, I am in, I don't care what it looks like. If it's left in the forest for dead, I'm going to pull it out and we're going to use it in some fashion. We're either going to get it back alive, uh, make it at least mechanical, and put it out there for somebody so someone can enjoy it, or it's going to be used in some fashion to save another bus. So, a lot of variables here, but in reference to that, yeah, I, I stop on a dime pretty much, and someone calls me, they're like, there's a bus here, I'm on it, I don't play.
0: No, I get on it because
1: the vultures are circling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny. My my bus, my '67. Um, I bought I bought my bus for one hundred dollars in Goldfield, Nevada, uh-huh. and I found that bus in nineteen ninety five. I just quit my job installing stereos. Is it ninety five? No, it may have been. It may have been. It may have been earlier. Ninety two in nineteen ninety two. I just quit my job and I head with my buddy to Torino, and I find this bus. And at the time I find this bus, I'm thinking, like, it's in an, it's an abandoned area, and nobody knows who owns it. And, you know, I, I look at this bus, and I'm like, holy crap, a 13-window deluxe? And meanwhile, it's got no transmission. No, you know, in the middle of the desert, they, they drag these buses there and scavenge all the mechanical parts to get the Bajas back on the road. And right. <laughs> uh, You know, I bought I, I bought that bus in 1999. I paid a hundred dollars for track down the owner. I just got married. I got a little baby and I sold my street bug and I'm thinking like, uh, I got to get this wife convinced to get a car that I can build. And I said, Oh, Hey, we're driving. I said, Hey, there's this bus in here. I wanted to buy. I know it'd be cool. Cause our whole family could fit in it and all this stuff. And you know, she's, yeah. like, she's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And I said, Oh, let's get this dude right here. But it was like, it was a hundred dollars. I mean, I can't tell you how many, I mean, Volkswagens i've bought for 100 or 50 bucks or whatever and 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 it's like now that kind of everybody's kind of everyone's caught up to it for me i'm a little bit bitter because i still think they should be relatively inexpensive and you know it is what it is they're pushed up by the market demand but i'm telling you my bus was original paint every part and piece you see on the bull run bus is original to that bus less no the window frames i sent them out to be recrum so those are original like everything the belt line everything is original his original paint bus and uh you know I mean I I scored so much on that bus like compared to what you'd have to pay for that bus nowadays but you know it's like that bus has got a huge sentimental value my son was a baby when he built it and he's 19 years old now and it's like yeah it's like one of those like like I I couldn't I mean it'd have to be a, a an obscene amount of money for me to sell has that bus. the keys yet What's that?
1: Yeah. Oh, your son asked for the keys. Yet? Oh no,
0: man! I let him mob that thing because I because that was my dream, you know, building my cars with my kids. I was like, one day I'm gonna cruise the streets. I'm gonna be in my Heck bus. Yeah. My son's gonna drive my other one. This one's gonna drive that yes. one, and we're just gonna drive the whole fleet. And it's like, you know, I got I I literally had my son drive my ten year old son. So I got a thirteen year old son, ten year old son, seventeen daughter, nineteen year old son. And my 10-year-old son, we had just wrapped up my swap meet, and I do a swap meet at Sam Boyd Stadium out here. And the parking lot's pretty empty, and it's fenced off. And my 10-year-old boy, I had a little VW R32 out there, like an old one, automatic. And I said, I slid the seat up, and I'm like, here, I'll let you drive while I drive around to collect tax slips from people. So like, <laughs> my 10-year-old boy, <laughs> he's just like, so now every day I had him drive real slow around the parking lot. And now he's like, uh, hey, Dad, can I? can we go drive in the r32 i'm like we can't be driving on the streets and he's like i'm good we can drive it i'm like no but it's like i'm my goal was to get my kids in my head my kids were going to be car guys and it's like you know my, my my son's out serving a mission right now and every random every time he gets a chance to send me a text he's like hey dad check out this truck check this out <laughs> you know like he's just spotting <laughs> stuff and, and he's over there in colorado area so i'm like all right boy while you're out there for the next 2 years on your mission start making a map cuz when i come get you, we're going to bring the trailer and we're going to drag back a few few buses but you know the cool thing is man just get you know the, the 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 thing i think you know when you buy your i'm looking for my 63 ragtop i salvaged from the junkyard because when i bought it when i bought it i was single all stuff i said oh, i'll pass this car on to my kid and then i ended up selling it before i got married and now I put a thing out on uh, on uh Facebook Marketplace just looking for it. Hoping it's still in Vegas here somewhere. But it's like there's something there's something to be said for like the car, that one car that you drag out of somewhere and you build it back up and then there's this this connection you have with a car where you want that car to be always seen, always on the road, driven by somebody who cares about it, you know, and kind of And, and I'm looking for my 63 ragtop right now, like trying to find it so I can build it for my son, you know? And, uh, you know, that's the thing, man. It's like, there's no better feeling. I have a video. If you go on YouTube and you look at this, the let's talk dubs videos in that, in that video, uh, I'm driving my square back and my son is driving my crew cab and it's like, there's no better feeling, man, than when your kids like driving your car and they're starting to get into the hobby. You know what I mean? Like, he'll yes. dri- he'll yeah, drive one it. or drive the other one. He'll be like, well, I like this about this one. I like that about that one, but this one's my favorite to drive. You know what I mean? And it's like there's nothing cooler than that, you know, being able to pass on that that passion because you can't really yes. pass on the passion. Like, they've just got to be you around can. it. Yes. And, it, and it's got to come to them. Like, I really dig X, Y, and Z, and they start getting into it. So that's the cool part. I mean, you know, that that's where sometimes I don't – I don't want to say I struggle with the patina thing. Like, I don't struggle with it. Like, patina things, it's cool and it's got a place. But for me, like, I keep thinking of like kids that are just like, see something that's really cool, looking super shiny and just totally decked out. That just captures them. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, that's, I mean, that's kind of what got me it was like shiny paint, nice wheels. And, and I was like, oh, that, that thing looks cool. And I want to be, I want to have one of those one day. And so I, I like, I like being able to get kids to see, you know, cars that, that get them fired up and try to turn kids into car guys. Like, that's my goal, man, to make every kid a car guy.
1: <laughs> it, I, I get it. I get it. We, I take a lot of shit from people about, dude, why, what are you driving this old rusty thing for? Yeah. You own a body shop. Like, why isn't this, like, pristine? <laughs> like, right, you know, they right. just don't get it. I, I enjoy patina. I enjoy saving a bus. These buses are going to outlive me, Bill. Yeah. These buses... I am just a custodian of every single bus that sits here. yeah, these buses are going to move on to the next generations. They're not going to be mine forever. I've saved some buses. Why not leave some of these buses? If I could leave them original paint, I'm gonna do it. yeah, I'm gonna leave it for the next guys. well, you and, know if I could save that and it's savable, I'm gonna make it happen
0: yeah and to and 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 to to at to one point, you know that original paint faded by the sun that kind of aged look is branding that car that it, what it's been through to get where it's at and then to be put back on the road today you know and so listen don't don't get me wrong i i, I love them all and the patina car is a little more fun to drive because you're not really sweating it you know what i mean kind of something happens to it, it's part of its life it's just the battle scar that happens during whatever happens mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh yeah, so there's been tons of stuff. Now there's some stuff that goes a little bit too far. Let's talk about the bullet bus, right? So, so you yeah. came down to Vegas <laughs> a couple years ago,
1: and yeah, me and Damon, yeah, and, and you and came, Rosie, so yeah, was, we came out there. Yeah, so give Bart me the story.
0: Give, give me the story in the bullet bus. Like, how, who calls you? What do you do? How do you come down to get it? What, what's the whole story behind that?
1: Received a phone call from Bart Cops out of Henderson, and uh, he says he's been searching for this bus for years, and he finally found it, and it's out in the middle of the desert. And he has no way to extract it. It's the bottom of a mountain. And do I have any bright ideas on how to get it out of there? And I said, well, why don't you send me a couple pictures, which you did. And we followed back through. And he said, I'd like to get it out of there by, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. And I looked over at Damon. I said, you want to go on a road trip to Vegas? We'll take the Hummer. We'll go out there and we'll pull this thing up the mountain. He was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Nice. And we literally, within probably a couple hours, was on the road heading to Vegas. And uh, we ended up out there and went out to the desert. And, and it was at the bottom of a cliff. It, we drug it up. We hooked the winch to it and drug that thing up the mountain. The end result is uh, Bart wants to uh, just basically get it up and running. He wants to just keep it a survivor kind of as is, do a little bit of porta powering, move some metal around, and you know, give it some shape back. And uh, where it just got crushed here and there. And uh, other than that, throw a harness and an engine in it and, and make it run and just kind of be like a, you know, a, the Henderson or what do I call it? The Boulder City bullet bus. Right, right. You and know, just so, let, let it live its life as is.
0: Because so now, now realistically with your port of power and all that kind of stuff, you can get the shape fairly back to fairly close to what it was. I mean. Now there's a lot of bullet. I mean, there's probably I don't know if you've counted the bullet holes in that thing, but there's oh. got to be a thousand bullet holes
1: in the thing. Yeah, I don't know if I can count that high. There's so many in
0: it. <laughs> I got to take your shoes off for sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm I'm telling you, it it's really cool. But so is it a late model bus or it's early bus?
1: That's an early. Yeah, it's actually a '56 Wolfsburg bus.
0: And someone added later model. They did the typical updates. They added later model turn in the front. They cut the bulkhead out. They did. Yeah. They did all the sweet stuff that any hippie would want to do to like make it the plush pad and keep it uh, up to date. Man, that's. I'm looking at a picture right now online, and that thing is. Uh, my goodness, that's that's too big a steak. <laughs> that's too big a steak for me to eat, man. Um,
1: hey, believe this. One day that thing's going to run and drive.
0: Oh, I believe it. You know there there it's was going to have one... some
1: amazing air conditioning to it but it's going to run and drive
0: yeah there was one in uh southern california off the i-15 somewhere that somebody pulled up and it was like a 21 window that was full of bullet holes and uh yeah I somebody saved that thing a few years ago and i, I saw it yeah. somewhere and uh, is
1: that the richard Kimbro, uh brian Piercy save
0: that I is think, that
1: the bullet bus you're talking about yeah, yeah. One blue and white 21
0: yeah that's the one yep yeah. and they
1: and that bus ended up uh I've had it here at my shop, Yeah. and uh, it ended up uh, Theron at a Aptos, which is Santa Cruz. He ended up buying it, yeah. And then, uh, as a running driving bus, he brought it up here, and then he uh, he sold it off, and it has not been seen ever since. So you no do one... not know what happened to the bullet bus. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: and if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, that one was somewhere off of I-15 near Victorville in that high desert area somewhere. Is where, is where i thought yep. that thing was it was one of those things where it's like oh man come check out this bus it's all full of bullet holes and it, would, it was a thing like you'd go look at it 20 years ago and you're like Psh, that thing's too far yeah. gone to even t- don't even waste the gas you know what i mean <laughs> yeah
1: today different world
0: yeah. yeah i mean people do all i mean you see some of the stuff these guys do in europe man i mean where they're digging cars there's they're digging cars out of out of ditches and pulling them out. There was one barn door they saved that was, uh, what was it? And it was, there's a big thing on uh, Facebook where the thing was in the, in, in a lake. It was like in a lake and her, uh, so there's one they that. saved with a helicopter. They actually brought a helicopter in <laughs> I love it. to pull I love that it. thing out. I love that. And these guys, it, you know, some of these guys, because these buses are so early, these guys go to like the utmost extremes to, to do that to get these things restored and it's like i mean they'll start with like the dog leg and build a bus off of that you know like this is a 54 <laughs> right. dog leg you know what i mean and i'm like and i guess it's a i guess it's a time money equation i mean if you've got the time and you've got the ability to be able to do that stuff man more power to you but yeah i've uh i mean i my, one of my first cars had a, like a some quarter panel damage to it that needed welding and stuff and for me that's like i guess it's psychologically implanted into me <laughs> that's just too deep right. for me to go you know but uh so let's get back to uh, chatting real quick. You know,
1: I, I I picked some buses just for entertainment value too. Oh, yeah. No,
0: absolutely. You know,
1: it, it just is what it is.
0: Yeah. The, I mean, listen, and that's, that's the cool thing is that you never, especially with buses, like you never know. It's like mind-boggling what people will do to avoid doing something the right way. Like, I mean, I bought a double cab one time and they changed the doors to later model doors and so they welded in the door strikers from a later model, a later model door to make the later model doors work and i was just like man that's just so much work you know versus just yeah, yeah. there could have been it could have been that hard to find the right doors but so you had the bullet bus now give me tell me what's the story behind the uh the, this so let's wrap up on the bull run. the bullet bus from boulder city that's in your shop still
1: it is not here Okay. No, it isn't yeah spark cops is in possession of it okay so it's... and uh yeah it just the project hasn't started yet he's i i've asked him to collectively gather some parts and some com- some components he's got a list of things that we're going to need yeah so uh, before it just comes here and just i don't need it just sitting around right there's, there's enough uh, real estate being sucked up by buses already so <laughs> If the customers bring in their bus in and we want to move on it, get it, get it rolling.
0: No, absolutely. And then, so give me the story on the uh, Spicoli bus. What's the story behind that bus? So
1: the Fast Times bus. Uh, to start from the beginning, I got a phone call from my friend Sean, who was visiting his cousin in Los Angeles, and he told his cousin, who's not a VW guy, "Let's go out looking for Volkswagens." And I think Sean's from, from Utah or somewhere, and he said, "Uh." Let's go find Volkswagen. It's SoCal, man. They got to be everywhere, right? And so his, his cousin said, "Well, hey, man, there's a there's a bus down the way behind the shop, and uh, you, maybe you can go check that out." And so uh, they w- went over there and seen it. He kind of was on a weekend, so he took a he was able to get a couple of pictures front and back, and and he sent them to me. And this was on a Sunday, and then he said, "Well, I'm going to go talk to the guy on Monday." I said, man, that is crazy looking. It looks like the Fast Times bus. And he goes, Yeah, it does. Uh that'd be funny if it was. And we were just kind of joking about it. Yeah. And so uh Monday morning came around he went and talked to this guy, Steve. This is in uh Agora Hills, Thousand Oaks yeah. area. And uh the guy says, Yeah, this is this is the bus from the movie Fast Times and it's actually up for sale because we're getting ready to sell this bus. We got two buyers now really and so uh sean gave me a call and he said this is the situation man this is what's going on and i said yeah i'm gonna need to do some research can you get a bin or get some kind of info or anything and of course we got on the net started looking around we were able to find some forums on uh on the samba and get some older information about the bus and verify the VIN number and the m code plate and just kind of go through the motions there and make sure this was the correct bus yeah well the guy had the full story he had everything he knew the original owner he's been working on it for the guy was named william major who owned the bus he was the second owner of the bus who bought it in the in the 70s really and uh anyways william major passed away in 2005 and so uh the bus and i've only owned it for what not four or five years now yeah so but anyways uh the guy says it's for sale, and we've got these two buyers. they're all their personal collections, and they're looking at purchasing the bus. I'm now on the phone with Steve. No. I got the information. so no. Sean gave me the guy's own info, and so I'm on the phone talking to this guy and he's like, "Well, it's either going to go to Holland or Florida. Oh, I said no. the pastimes bus. it's going to go to Holland, really? It's going to go to Florida in someone's private collection right go check it out, man. I'm a, I, this might sound crazy, but I'm not going to allow you to sell that bus to anybody other than California right that bus belongs here it needs to stay here yeah and what kind of money are we talking about you know and so we started kind of him hawing about some prices and it wasn't cheap just let's say that first off well and and, then and and,
0: and, but 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 to validate why it shouldn't be cheap that it's a double collectible it's a movie prop it is one it is and it's a bus so you you only have two things worth money it then makes it twice as collectible, which is some people don't understand that, but that's really the way it works.
1: True. That is true. So anyways, with that being said, I basically told the guy, look, and this is what kind of money I got. And this is what I could afford to spend on that bus. I know it's not what you're being offered by these other two parties, but this bus deserves to stay here in California. And if I don't have enough money, I'm going to find somebody with enough money. That right. bus is not leaving right. California. They were like, who is this arrogant SOB <laughs> saying that our bus is not I being sold to Like, right. It was pretty much, that was the words. I mean, basically <laughs> I forbid you to let this leave. That's awesome. And I just made them have a guilty feeling about it basically because yeah. like, dude, that bus cannot leave California. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like once it was validated and I was like, this is the bus. This is the bus. Yeah. And so, uh, once all that was said, they said, well, Robert, I'm going to talk to my business partner. We'll get back to you. It was the most – I had the most anxiety over that bus purchase, over oh, yeah. any bus I've ever purchased, ever. I couldn't even handle it. I was on vacation and left vacation two days early right. because I was ready to drive to Los Angeles Yeah, with a pocket full of cash. And i just like I, – I couldn't handle it. And so I basically even got on the phone and said – I can't I can't deal with anymore. You guys aren't answering me. I'm coming to L.A. Right. And so, <laughs> Within two hours, they called me. And this I'm leaving South Lake Tahoe at that point with my wife. She was like, I can't even be around you right now. You're just nuts. <laughs> and so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we they ended up calling me a couple hours later. They said, Robert, and I talked to the guy. And he goes, we, we want to sell you the bus. We think you'd be a great custodian of this bus yeah and you know and i made a lot of promises to them too you know not just hey here's some money it was you know i, I want to preserve this bus i want to run it through preservation i'm not going to flip this bus i'm not going to i want to be the custodian of this bus this bus deserves everything i mean it's the fast times bus this is the bus that got me into buses
0: right like right. i
1: went and bought a bus because of this bus like right. this is the bus this means a lot to me they knew it and we had long conversations and that's awesome. They just felt in the end that I would be a good custodian of this bus, and and here we are, man. I I'm happy to say that we own the bus, and I I wish the best for this bus. I'm just a temporary owner of it right now, and yeah. I would love to see this thing maybe down at the Peterson Museum, maybe in Los Angeles or somewhere. Yeah. Um, but. It's it's going to live its life here in California. Yeah. We've shared it up and down the coast. Yeah. I have some goals to take it up to the Pacific Northwest shows. I want to share it with the guys up north. I definitely want to take it down to Texas. You know, I was hoping for the VW Classic coming back. I'd love to share it with the Texans down there and let them see the Fast Times Bus. Had a lot of requests from that area. A lot of requests from the Pacific Northwest. So we definitely want to run it up there, show it, share the bus with everybody, and uh, eventually find it a really good resting home
0: yeah listen and and maybe uh maybe we get a couple guys and i know i've got a 54 foot trailer and i'm trying to convince a couple buddies of mine to uh load that thing up and let's head for uh, florida for some of those shows they do in florida and stuff just because it i think it's just so cool to kind of check out shows on the other side of the coast and just kind of bring a little bit of that west coast you know those west coast cars right. out there and just kind of hang out right. and, you know what i mean
1: yeah i would that's a dream of mine i would love to take the fast times bus to the east coast i that's dreamy to me oh, yeah. I, lo- I would love that
0: <laughs> well, maybe we'll set something up man. <laughs> hey, for sure maybe. Maybe be, listen i'm telling you I, I i at one time i read an article about um, a nine uh 912 club and a bunch of these guys in 912s drove across the country to a big meet like they were either going east coast to west coast or west coast to east coast they all drove out there in their cars together and And then when the weekend was over, all their cars got loaded on a hauler and they all flew home. And I thought that sounds like the perfect week to me because it's it's all fun and games going out there and the adventure and doing all that kind of stuff. But once you make it to your destination, it's kind of nice to be able to enjoy it. And when it's done, it's done because like, you know, that whole next week of driving back, if you can avoid it and just have the experience of doing that, doing the trip and then go home and then, you know, your car gets home a day or two later, but, uh, I think that's because I think today we just don't have the time. We have so many more commitments that we want the experience, but we've got to be able to figure out how to get that experience without uh, without burning up all the time that we don't have available. So, um, who knows? Maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe, maybe you know, I plan something man, and take something out there because I'd love to. I'd love to mix something up with the guys on the East Coast, man. I think it'd be a great thing to do, and and just it's yeah. just so cool to go out. And That'd see be those great guys. to
1: plan it for twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, no, maybe maybe we do it. Maybe we do a cross country tour. <laughs>
1: That would be great man that would be awesome.
0: So tell me about uh give me the story on the um the bus from Hudson Falls New York. The 20 okay. the 23 window.
1: Very special bus. Very special owned by two German twin sisters. And uh that bus is uh it's here at our shop. I have not even touched it. We've unloaded it. I put it in the storage for the moment. The leaves from New York that fell through the, the roof are still in the bus. All the dirt and the leaves and everything that are in it, they're still there. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's untouched literally at this very moment. And uh, so in reference to that bus, um, great find. It's a beautiful bus. It's all there. Uh, the, two girl, the two girls at the time when they were younger, you know, they moved here from Germany. Their father was in the military. And um, he was concerned for their welfare, basically, mm-hmm. and moved them here to New York to their uncle's delicatessen. And uh, they worked there for a while, and then. But they were always really good with their hands, and they liked making material. Mm-hmm. And so they had looms. I don't know if you know what a loom is, yeah, yeah, but, fabric loom. Yeah. So uh, the two twin sisters were into making fabric and their dad told them, I want you to go and buy this Volkswagen bus. And so they literally bought it from the Hudson Falls Volkswagen dealership. It's still in business today, off the showroom floor in 1956. Wow! They said, we, that's the bus we want right there, 1956, 23 window deluxe, Wolfsburg edition. And uh, the, the day they got that, their intentions were to travel around in that bus, put the loom in the back, and go out and teach other women how to make fabric. Oh, cool. So that was their goal. So they pulled the middle seat and the back seat out and put them in the barn. So as you can imagine, part of the story is I got two mint seats with it. (laughs) That's crazy. The good part was when we showed up to seeing the bus, I wasn't even thinking about the seats. And the guy says, oh, wait, the seats to the bus are in the barn. Never even told me about those. Oh, my goodness. So uh, I was like, huh? So, so of course we went in there, and there was there was some beautiful seats sitting there.
0: So they tracked you down. So so you got wind of that bus, and that bus now belongs to you.
1: It does. So they they did track me down. They actually reach us on our Facebook page, on Skinner Classics Facebook page. They reached out to us and threw a couple pictures up in a in a regular post. Yeah. And uh, and said anybody interested in this, and I immediately was like what? I went to her page and copied her page and. Like So I knew who she was, immediately went back and deleted, deleted her pictures, pictures <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then reached out to him and said, hey, what's the situation? And so uh, they said, hey, we got this bus and it was, you know, it was uh, we inherited it. We took care of the two sisters until the second one just recently passed. And uh, they gave the bus to our son. He's just turned 20 years old and wants to go to college and we need some college money. Yeah. And so uh, we had a long conversation and. We came up and uh, negotiated some pricing, and they said they loved our website. They loved that they were able to, if they sold me the bus, they were able to watch me restore the bus on the page, and they were involved in it. And that was a big part of it. Sure. So uh, with that being said, we came to a final price, and uh, I secured the bus. Well, and, so,
0: and I'm looking at a picture right now, and it's not like it's a rust-free bus. I mean, even just sitting there in New York, they get a little bit of rust on it. But, I mean, all things considered, with the age of that bus and what, what it is, in comparison, you could classify it as a super low, rusty, you know, very little rust 23 window. Although, you know, for some people, you know, 20 years ago it might have been too much rust to restore, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely got some rust. It's got some undercarriage issues. The, you know, the all upper half is fantastic obviously the lower eight just like any east coast bus has been uh jeopardized due to salt on the road and whatever you know but
0: well, it's savable
1: I'm, it, I'm gonna save it it will be saved and it i saw on the road
0: on your instagram somebody's making full chassis now full bus chassis
1: can you believe that i mean this whole this whole game is changing right before our eyes man i'm gonna tell everybody right now hang on to your the only value i've been saving bus parts for forever. Okay? Yeah. Long time. 30 yeah. something years. I got a hoard of bus parts. However, any old bus sections and donor pieces and this and that, all this stuff I've been hanging on to, it's almost becoming Whoa. worthless. <laughs> because somebody could pick up the phone. Who wants a donor side quarter panel? Side panel. Right. Right? Versus that was you've got a section out, got to do all that work yourself. These guys could pick up the phone right now today and purchase. Now, uh they're almost making a bus it seems like. I mean, it's just Almost every day, something new crazy is coming out. I mean, look at this foundation that's offered now for $7,000. Oh, yeah. And then you can buy a whole undercarriage with frame rails. I mean, this is unreal. This changes our industry. Yeah. So where our value is going to be here is original paint parts. Yeah. (laughs) Mark my words. That's where the value is going to be here in the future with these buses. Original paint doors and parts. Parcel yes.
0: trays and things that can unbolt off the car. If you find the original mango door, you and got it's, it, man, we got worth it more money. So you
1: got it. That's going to grow. That's going to grow. It's going to get, it's going to get expensive. So the now one,
0: one of the things we wanted to talk about, because you're going to be coming out to debut, uh, the Woodstock bus, the Woodstock bus uh, is you, you're involved in, um, helping restore this Woodstock bus. Give us a story on this bus. Let us know how we can see this bus. Let people know when they can come get their picture with this iconic bus. Where is it going to be? And, and let's start off with giving me the story of how this bus got gotten your stewardship to get it back on the road.
1: Well, I became involved when they were restoring what we call today the wrong bus. Yeah, And so uh, it looks like the production company originally that wanted to start this whole documentary series of getting a bus and restoring a bus and having Dr. Bob Hieronymus, the original artist, repaint the bus uh, to keep some provenance behind it. The original bus is gone. They searched. They hired detectives. They hired DMV, they They went through every motion to try to find the original Woodstock bus, but everybody has already said that bus literally rusted back into the earth. It wow. was so bad at some point back in Baltimore. And back then, you know, when When cars went to shit, I mean, if you broke down on the side of the road, you left your car on the side of the road. You never got a bill. Oh, yeah. You know, you didn't. You just left it. Like, forget this car. Get another car. You know, so, you know, back then it didn't matter. And they they literally think that's pretty much the situation that happened. So with that being said, you know, they started off with this bus. They started off with a, the original bus was a 62 bus. Mm -hmm. They started off doing a restoration at East Coast Restorations in Florida with this beautiful lady her name's Fallon. Yeah. She's really she's she's awesome. And uh they started doing this restoration with her on this bus. Well it happened to be a big hatch rear bus. And so during the process, you know, they invested a little bit of money, not too much, but they did purchase the bus and they started restoring it. And so uh, somebody mentioned to them, Hey, you know that's you guys that's are restoring the, wrong, the wrong, wrong bus. Yeah, that's the wrong year. No, and they I'm were like, to... Oh well we'll we'll just bolt on the other door and they were like, uh no 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 no, no it's not gonna work. <laughs> Like, you are literally restoring the wrong bus. And so uh, that's when I got involved. Some people said, hey, Robert, check this out. They're restoring the wrong bus. Look at this project, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, wow. And so they kind of pretty much put out right then that they were looking for a replacement bus. Yeah. So my name got mentioned quite a few times by just, you know, the public. And so uh, we ended up uh, speaking with each other on the phone at Arcadia Television back north. Uh, They're out of Nova Scotia, so they're out of the country. Anyways, we uh, came to negotiations with them, and we talked to them about, well, what was the original bus? What was it before Dr. Bob painted it? And he said it was a Turkish and white, non-walkthrough, standard microbus, had a 40-horse engine. I mean, it was just this beautiful original bus, but that's the bus he wanted Dr. Bob to paint for him, for the band Light. Yeah. So with that being said, I pretty much went on the hunt for that exact bus. I was looking for the same platform to start with. Sure. And I came across one um, down here in San Jose with a gentleman named David Brazil. And so uh, we ended up going down there and inspecting the bus. I got back a hold of Arcadia and told them, hey, man, I think I found a great donor bus. And uh, I think this would be the great platform for the restoration of the Woodstock bus. And uh, why don't you give David a call and you guys can talk it out? I think this is a good one. So uh, with that being said, things kind of evolved from that point. They negotiated. They ended up flying here. Me and my wife picked them up at the SFO airport and drove down to San Jose with a truck and trailer. And we pulled that bus out of there. Nice. We brought it here to the shop. And uh, when we got here to the shop, you know, their their eyes were in amazement seeing 50 split buses sitting around here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. They
1: had no idea what they were, you know, coming to see. They'd never been to my shop before. They might have seen some pictures or done some research or history on me, but they'd never been here until they got here. And they were like, holy mackerel. So uh, once that kind of evolved and the bus was already here, we pretty much not, I wasn't trying to take the job away from East Coast Restorations, but at the same time, um, they just, they were excited to be here at the shop, right? basically. And just, they we ended up renegotiating some repair and, uh, that needed on the vehicle. We put it on a lift. we got it up in the air. And I basically just ran through the motions and told them everything that it's going to need. And, uh, and so based on timeframes, which was getting the bus back to Florida and, uh, Fallon doing a restoration on it, they said, there's no time for all that. We're, we're on a strict timeline. And, uh, so after talking for a while we came to terms and basically I agreed to, uh, Start on the restoration on the bus and do the majority of the repairs, and so uh, we basically dove into this thing. Did all the metalwork. Doctor Bob wanted it rust free, yeah. And so it's it's probably ninety something percent rust free today. We didn't touch some stuff. Some some stuff is original. Right. The front floors, the seat pedestals. You'll see see a few rust spots here on the interior portion of it, but these are things that really didn't need to be touched. There's too much originality to all that beautiful to me yeah so but undercarriage wise things that were rusted out we replaced everything i mean in or out of rockers blah 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 i'm not gonna you know the motions yeah, but yeah. we replaced uh you know all the flooring everything went through all that we did the suspension we put in a new transmission we had the engine rebuilt by greg uh greg urudia here he's my engine builder and uh went through all the electrical gutted the interior just did a full-on restoration on this bus It left here, reassembled, we put everything back in it, and reassembled it, and it left here in white sealer as Dr. Bob's canvas. You know, it's now a nice blank canvas for Dr. Bob. And the bus, uh, we shipped it back to Baltimore, Maryland, and Dr. Bob and his team, he calls it the Light Brigade, which is four, five other artists besides himself. Yeah. Um, They attacked the bus. And in reference to that, Dr. Bob had all the original... Schematics of when he painted the bus in 1968. No, oh, get out of here. All the original pictures of the the long side, the short side, the back, the front, the roof. I mean, he had pictures of everything. Really? And they were able to literally graft the bus in that white canvas. They were literally they grafted the whole bus and put squares across the whole thing in like three inch block squares, and was able to uh, transition every position of every symbol and everything that was on there originally back exactly proper placement around the whole bus. And he had those? He has it all. It's It wow. was amazing. He is such an amazing man. Dr. Bob is one of the most amazing guys I've ever met in my life. And if anybody has the chance to meet Dr. Bob, make sure to say hi to him. Come up yeah. and meet the man. Shake his hand. He's an incredible human being now will he be be there
0: will he be there when the bus is on display?
1: Yes, Dr. Bob is coming back. So we debuted the bus at February Octo. We brought it there. Uh Dr. Bob had one of the best times of his life, he said, with all the support and all the people from the VW community. He felt so much love from everybody. It was a beautiful thing. It really was. So he he had a blast. He is coming that was his first time to California. Really? So Dr. Bob is coming back for VW Week, and that is coming up. So in, uh, what, two and a half, three weeks from now, VW Week starts, and uh, Dr. Bob is coming out for about four days. So we are going to have him at the uh, Friday night uh, cruise. We will have him at uh, early morning octo and then at the RVA show, and then we will drag him over to Fontana to the bug-in, and that will be it. So make sure to come and see Dr. Bob. Say hi to Dr. Bob. Shake that man's hand. Give yeah. him a hug.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. You, know, you know what's so crazy in this whole restoration business is like to be able, and and sometimes we take for granted because we have everything at our fingertips on the internet. You know, we can see this or look at that or do whatever we want in a split second. Where things back then took so much research. But it's like to be able to actually talk to the guy that painted, that actually was there, that did the original work, that did the stuff. I mean, it's just... To have an appreciation for what that means is is so awesome to be able to actually talk to the person that did it because you're talking to the people that laid the groundwork for the history for things that were so iconic, you know. Yes, and yes. and it's and it's just so awesome. You know, I remember I was at I was at, um, I was at uh, Cars and Coffee here locally not too long ago, and um, uh, Peter Brock was there, right? He's just there in like a Datsun five hundred and ten or something. I'm with a bunch of younger guys. And so I just kind of strike up a conversation with the guy and meanwhile he's the guy that designed the Stingray Corvette. He worked with Carroll Shelby. He raced the Dotson program. He this the guy's a living legend. He's 80 years old living legend and uh I'm over here just chopping it up. We're just shooting the breeze about personal stories about back when you worked for Shelby and some stuff like that. And I'm telling the guys around me like, "You guys know who this guy is? Like you're talking to the guy who designed the Stingray Corvette. He's just here, kicking it. He's just a car guy hanging out with us and it's just so cool when you can we well, you know sometimes we lose perspective of the history of things that have taken place and yes. I was just yes. saying the other day that you know we in the VW scene we get so jaded by like oh yeah but it's not a 52 I mean it's not a super old and everything becomes like the prominence of something is no, is is sometimes overshadowed by the age and the exclusivity of something and yet Sometimes we need to reel it back in the VW scene and not get so, um, you know, so wound up on, you know, uh, it's got to be the oldest and the neatest. But what about those things that right. the years not important, but the the uh, prominence of that vehicle, you know what I mean? Like the, the place and time where that vehicle was, it makes a big it, it, it really re- resets kind of our personal hierarchy of VW value for, per se because you know these cars are the you know like to have the original guy who actually painted that bus to do as close of a accurate restoration with the original and not being available but to go and start with the same blank canvas and the same the same bus build and yeah. those, all those same things <clears throat> it really is a painstaking effort that you're going through to recreate something that was so iconic in history and I think it's, I think it's awesome, man. I'm stoked for the stuff that you do, you know, for the history that you capture, for the value that you see on some of these things that maybe go unnoticed to some people, you know what I mean? And so, I do, I do. You, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the hard work and effort that you put into it because you're preserving that history for, for other generations to be able to see it and enjoy it, you know? So
1: most definitely I get pleasure out of that. I really do. That is my, I love it. I love it.
0: Yeah, no, it's great, and I man.
1: love being involved in projects like that. It just it makes me feel good.
0: Yeah, and that's and that and that's part of your appreciation for the history is knowing that on part two of the history you can be a person that helped move it forward. You know what I mean? And sometimes, sometimes that means even more to us that we're able to be part of continuing the legacy of something else of whether it's you know like rich kimball those guys do with the bug- in or these these guys that do that are part and part of re restoring and re regenerating things that were days gone by so yes. other people can gain that enjoyment out of it so man I think it's awesome alive. I think a lot yeah i I think it's awesome what you're doing man I'm stoked to see the stuff you're doing I'm glad we got a chance to to talk about it and kind of get uh Get a lot of the stuff hashed out. I'm glad there's an opportunity where we can take this platform and blow it out around the world, so people can go to your uh, go to your website and your Facebook page and check you out. And so, what I'll do, what I like to do, is give you some time. Like some some people want to. So the stuff we talked about today, a lot of the pictures you can see on your Instagram, which is uh, Skinner Classics on Instagram, right? And then, um, your Facebook page would be by the same name, Skinner Classics exactly yep and um if people want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to get in touch with you
1: oh well, either uh back on facebook or skinner classics that's the one you're going to remember obviously this is vw related so uh you can go on there you can reach out to us anytime yeah you so, can get a hold of us and
0: yep. so 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 a couple of quick short questions here because i know i always usually get some email like hey man find out some of this or some of that Somebody wants to restore a bus that's not rotted to death. That that doesn't need tons and tons. What's the what's the cost somebody's looking at for a restoration um, ballpark? That's going to go front? It could go from. You've seen him like best case scenario. Somebody brings you a really super nice bus. Doesn't need a bunch of metal work. Strip it, paint it, and put it together from here to here. What's the price range? Because I always get emails where people are like, man, why don't you find out how much it costs to get a bus restored and all this kind of stuff. So what's what's kind of the the ballpark that you see those things going at?
1: We have a general price based on prior experience, okay? Mm -hmm. So based on that, if you pull up and you tell me you want a full restoration, rotisserie restoration, Mm -hmm. media blasted, start from scratch, remove panels, start from scratch. It starts at $55,000. It's a starting price. Right. It's a deluxe. It starts at $65,000. Reason behind that, based on past experience. Can you invest more today? Yes, you can. Totally. That is for a stock build. That's a stock, that's a price to start on a stock restoration. You want to do upgrades. You want to change things around. That's when the price differences come in, right? Mm -hmm. We could spend tons of money on that, accessories and Shiny do hickeys here and there, and the whole nine. So it just it just depends on what you want.
0: And now, when you're talking stock type restoration, you're talking single stage paint. You're talking back to back to a factory style restoration, expecting that you've got ninety five percent of all the original stuff. Correct. Yeah, because as soon as you, as soon as they bring it, as soon as they, if they roll in there with a carcass, it's like you're missing twenty five thousand dollars in drivetrain.
1: <laughs> Correct. So my best advice for somebody. Is buy the best bus you can. If you plan on doing a restoration, do not buy a five thousand dollar piece of rust bucket. Just right. don't do it. Spend the dough. Spend the fifteen, the twenty grand. Get you something decent. You will save money in the long run buying a more solid bus. You yeah. buy that five thousand dollar bus unless you're going to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. If you plan on hiring a shop? Get about it. You're going to pay. It's going to cost you more it's yeah. my best advice I'm saving your money yeah buy a better bus start with a better donor and then work from there
0: and then timeline like timeline usually takes for you guys on a restoration project if it's if it's somebody somebody's got an 11 window combi they bring it in they just it's 95 percent complete they want a restoration a cosmetic restoration no upgrades put it back timeline they're looking out for something like that. Six months to one year. Six months to a year, and it's, obviously there's a lot of variables that the entire timeline can change once the sandblasting's done. <laughs> like that's correct. Hey, we that have to have correct. a conversation. <laughs> so, well, cool, man. Look, Robert, I'm glad I got to have you on here, man. We got to kind of chat about a bunch of stuff, and we've been on here for a little yeah, bit. Me and, too. And I know what we a both. Great we both got things to do, but I'm sure I'll have you back on, and uh, I'm hoping to be out there set up with uh, the podcast on a booth. Uh, set up at the D at the DKP Friday Night Cruise in. So uh, I'll see you down there for sure. I'm stoked to see this bus, man, and 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 just and to touch and feel and and see that history that's been recreated, man. I think that's awesome. I appreciate it. again, like I said, I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, anybody who wants to reach out to uh, Robert, you can hit him up on Skinner Classics and then uh, check out their website. They got a lot of their work on there. They got a lot of bus a lot. If you like looking at bus pictures, there's tons of bus pictures on there. And you can also contact uh, Robert and get your bus out to him to figure out for restoration and all that kind of stuff, what you guys want to do, man. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you coming on the show and I will see you down there at the uh, DKP cruise in on the 31st of May in old town garden grove on main street.
1: Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate the opportunity. is hey, great. Thank uh, you everybody.
0: All right. Hey, take it easy, man. Thanks.
1: Okay, Bill. All right. Bye-bye later. Station wagon like the